Hey guys, Cody here just reminding you that the best wrestlers in the world are coming to Iowa for the UWW World Cup at Extreme Arena in Coralville this December 10th and 11th. This one-of-a-kind dual-style competition features the world's very best men's and women's freestyle wrestlers repping their home countries and going head-to-head to decide who is the best wrestling country on the planet. You'll get to see Team USA's biggest wrestling stars like Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Tamara Mensa-Stock, Helen Naroulis, so many more. There's no better time than now to be a USA wrestling fan, and there's no better time than now to get your tickets. Be sure to go to worldcupcoralville.com. I put links in the show notes so that you guys can get all the information you need. You're not going to want to miss this. One more time, get your tickets at worldcupcoralville.com. Number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I'm going to put a plug in because we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telfer, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Tuesday, October 18th. Uh, Super 32 Challenge wrapped up this weekend in Greensboro, North Carolina. The U23 World Championships already underway in Spain. A lot of wrestling flying all around you. All you got to do is turn around and look for it. And today, got another podcast here to get you ready for the upcoming wrestling season. Got a fun conversation today with Zach from Stalemates. He and I linked up to discuss some big picture topics ahead of the 22-23 season. Fairly college heavy, which is mostly his lane, probably a little bit by design there. Um, But we dive into all sorts of topics like the Iowa State rivalry. We touched on the Missouri Tigers a little bit, Division One heavyweights, but also kind of where um, wrestling media as a whole is headed, future locations of the NCAA championships, and so many kind of little subplots and smaller conversations that we latch on to over the course of this hour-long back and forth that we had uh, touched on all sorts of topics. I know I enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So it goes a little long today, so I'll quit blabbering so we can jump right into it. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the show, and I'll catch you on the other side. As promised here with Zach from Stalemates, uh, downtown Des Moines for today's show. In your new digs, bro. This is this is this is nice. Um, it's still a little messy. Um, it's very I'm, messy. Yeah, I'm yeah. like looking around and like taking a peek at everything. Um, how do you like the new digs here? You're still. I, it sounds like you guys just moved in. Yeah, we have recorded only a handful of episodes here, but yeah, it's very much messy. We got all kinds of like uh, tubs laying around with random equipment and stuff. And a bunch of stuff that we don't use anymore. So we're kind of in this transition phase between making this really the space that we want so we can bring in awesome guests um, like you. we got to get you on the show sometime soon. Uh, but right now, we're just trying to get this place under control. But it has been good. We're going more of a green screen vibe this year. So it's a little different, but it's cozy. It's comfortable. It's quiet. I like it. I like the first two shows that you guys... Um I don't know, like your first two shows, air quotes here, of the 22-23 season. You guys did, you know, your usual, you and Tyler doing the stalemate stuff. And then the the new show with uh, Jake Agnich, Southeast Polk coach, and Corby, um, breaking down Super 32, which that was kind of fun. Like, how's that? How would you feel about those first couple? I thought it was good. I thought the Corby and Jake show will be a lot better. It's a big deal when you have new people, a lot of new faces. It's 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 Having a podcast is very much like a... It's like a team thing, you know, so you need everybody to be on the same page. We're just kind of getting the rust shaken off because it's the beginning of the year, and then you got a bunch of new people, new faces, so the chemistry was very good, I thought, for the first one, and it's only going to get better. Um, Lots of room to improve, but just like this season, you know, we'll, we'll uh, we'll get into prime recording shape by uh by first week of the year for wrestling so it's good though working our way into wrestling shape i like it yeah i like it um what we're gonna do today um i kind of i just texted you out of the blue last week after listening to i think the the stalemate show um with you and tyler Mm -hmm. i was just kind of like hey um it'd be kind of fun we're rolling through some preseason pods here um you know pick a few topics that you're kind of curious about whether it's college season high school season whatever the case may be and you know, I'll pick three others, and we can kind of lob back and forth and, and just kind of discuss kind of mm-hmm. at large some things that we're curious about um, coming into the 22-23 wrestling season. Um, that's kind of the template for today. What's what's the first thing that's on your mind coming into the year? Oh, man, you know I love my Cyclones, so. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just really excited to see where this Iowa State team is going to be. I got the chance to go up there and watch an RTC practice in like June or July, I think. Um, it was right after our street league or right before, so sometime this summer. And at that point in the year, the freshman class, the number two ranked freshman class that we've all heard about by now, probably from me because I keep talking about these guys and they're a bunch of studs, they just got onto campus and a lot of them were looking really good. A lot of these guys were beating guys that have been around. Some guys were ranked, some guys were starters in the past. So this freshman class is not playing jokes. They're not taking a backseat to the upperclassmen. They don't care if they're the starter. They don't care if they've been on the team or they're a veteran, this or that. Um, I heard the other day, I watched a video about Coach Dresser talking about David Carr and Swiderski wrestling together. Okay, you got a guy who's a brand new, just got off, you know, a great high school career. He's coming into Iowa State and wrestling against a national champ and David Carr. Now, Dresser did say in the video that Carr was whooping his butt, but he liked the fight that was in him. So I think this young freshman class for Iowa State, they are dogs, and that's what you need. I have been going to Iowa State teams since... Iowa State duels since I don't even know, probably my freshman or junior, freshman sophomore year of high school. And I've been going to almost all of them. And there's a lot of times I'm watching these guys and they don't look like they had the fight in, the, in years past. But this year, I feel like this team is, like their motto says, it's they say it's right now. And so um, I'd like to see them get a team trophy this year. I think maybe they're a year off from that. I think maybe next year. But I think this year, is going to be interesting, and um, I'm excited to watch him. I'll be at most of the duels. So. Yeah, season ticket holder this year, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I've, it's funny. Most people probably assume I buy them every year, but I usually just walk up and buy them because I never know who's going to come with me. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy those either this week or, or uh, before the season starts. So that's pumped, awesome. Pumped. No, I'm glad you you let off with the Cyclones. Um, you know they had their media day last week. We got to go up and talk to Dresser and David and um, a handful of those freshman wrestlers, right? And and I th- you know. The, as they're putting this recruiting class together, right, mm-hmm. um, and the heavy hitters start coming in, right, like Sodorsky was first, and then they got Rojas, and, you know, late additions like the Frost Twins and MJ Gaetan, and, um, you know, you start to see this come together. Um, now the, now that all those guys are in the room, like, I think the way I phrased it was, like, that freshman class is going to be the group that pushes this quote-unquote rebuild to the next level, right? Like, they are going to be charged with taking them into the top ten, which was the goal last year. Um, didn't happen because that was a pretty rough day one at the NCAA championships. But um, I'm with you, man. Like, there's a lot of exciting pieces in this freshman class, and we get to see a couple of them right out of the way. You mentioned, you know, Casey Swiderski. He's going to be the guy at 41. Um, Panero Johnson, who's not a true, true freshman, right? He gray-shirted, but, you know, by eligibility standards, a first year. Um, sounds like he's going to be the guy at 49. Um, and I think we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record. Um, maybe not this year. I think this year is going to be exciting, but next year, I know trophy's pretty lofty, but like, it seems like this year is setting up next year, if that makes sense. Right. Um, for next year to potentially be a pretty special year, which was kind of always in play after they put David Carr in the lineup, that his senior year, that could be a really special Iowa state team. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about that is, too, and, and I agree with you, I don't think that this year is, a t- is the year that we bring home a team trophy, but if you look at next year and you look at where it's at, where is it going to be next year? Hilton South, baby, right? <laughs> Kansas City, it's next year, right? So I think next year would be the perfect year to send David off, everything that he's done for this program. Without guys like David Carr, you probably don't get the Swiderskis, you probably don't get the Gaetans, you probably don't get a lot of the studs that we've, that we've gotten. So with that said, this year I think – what we look for, I would like to have at least four All-Americans this year. Last year we had three. And I'll say this. I remember when we, that one year we had, like, what, one team point? So <laughs> for, me to, for me to act like we're in any sort of dire need situation or, or to act like I'm a poor me fan, uh, you know, I've been through those poor me seasons, and, and I don't think that this year will be one of them. I, we had three All-Americans last year. I'd love to have four. What's funny, last year I felt like we had this big dark cloud over our NCAA championships because of that first day was just probably one of the worst days we've ever had. And they went 4-14 and 14 overall. <laughs> it yeah. was rough. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was hard for me to defend uh, dresser and company on the Twitter streets that day, but you know, I probably got blocked by a few people uh, from from the eastern part of the state. But uh, you know, all jokes aside, I think that this year, you know, you got you got Younger Bastida, who's my favorite wrestler in college wrestling. You got Marcus Coleman, who's going to be back, who's an Ames um, legend, and he's and he's 
went levels that last year, and I think he's going to go maintain that level, if not better. And then obviously David Carr going to sixty five is tough. That's he's going to be fun, yeah, man. It's yeah. going to be so fun. If you look at his first half of the schedule, he's going to have Dean Hamidi and Patrick Kennedy in the in the first month or two, the first yeah. two months. So. Um, you know those three guys, and then I, and I think that we have a chance to have you know four or five All Americans. But I'll take four, four, four All Americans at the end of the year. I'm a happy guy. I was crunching some numbers, um, you know, as I was kind of laying through the, you know, because I do lineup breakdowns every year after I get a hold of the each team at media day, and um, you know, as I'm looking at Iowa State's lineup, um, you know, I'm remembering that you know Dresser's like, hey, like we we want to be a top ten team. I think that's what exactly what he said last year. It's time for Iowa State to be a top ten team. Um, they didn't get there. But they were 12 points away, right? Like they finished 17th, 12 points um, would have given them the necessary points to be 10th place, um, which I believe was NC State last year. They had 49 points. Iowa State finished with 37. Um, So, like, the question for me is, like, if you're going to be a top 10 team, where do those extra 12 points come from? It could be a collection of wins. It could be somebody else making a run. It could be, you know, kind of like you're hoping for this year, a fourth All-American, which leads me to this question to kind of put a bow on this conversation if Iowa State's going to have four All-Americans, and we're assuming that the three returning guys are going to be three of them, who's your fourth? The fourth has to be Casey Swiderski. I mean, <laughs> listen, guys, if you, you you text me right away and, uh, you know, commented on some picks that I had, and uh, you weren't the only one. I've had a couple other people reach out and say, you know, your picks are crazy, I'm a homer, you can say that all you want, but if you look at the 141-pound weight class... It's sneaky deep, but, like, it there's is, a lot of parity there. It's one of those weights where... Anybody can beat anybody, and anybody can lose anybody. You don't, like, you, you look at some, like, if you look at 165, there's not very much wiggle room for a guy to kind of sneak in there and, uh, you know, knock off one of the top-ranked guys. But I think at 141, and knowing where Casey Swiderski was when he came onto campus, he was already tough as nails. I think a lot of people put Jesse Mendez, who Swiderski beat twice, they beat him even worse the second time. A lot of people had Jesse Mendez in that caliber of, like, you know, we all know when these kids come through high school that there's a certain handful of them that get this, like, treatment of, like, these are the next group of stars. And Jesse Mendez is probably going to be one of those guys, and uh, he is one of those guys, right? Um, early he was in high school, and he, and he will be in college as well. Swiderski beat him twice, and the second time he looked even better. When he came onto campus, he was already beating some of the good guys at Iowa State. And everything that I've heard from him behind the scenes is, like, this guy cares not just about the results, but he cares about training hard. He works his tail end off. I love the interviews that this kid does. He kind of has that maturity already, um, which he, you know, 18. How old, how old are these kids in freshman? 18, 19 years 18, old? 19 years old, Insane. Yeah. So um, Iowa State fans, you might not have heard of this kid yet, but you will. So I'm, I think Swiderski's going to be that fourth All-American. But there's a couple other guys, too, I think could be right on that bubble. Yeah, I, and the, I think the, the interesting thing about Swiderski and, and a true freshman being at 41, especially for Iowa State this year, is like, that's a loaded weight when you look at Iowa State's schedule, right? Like, they're, they're going to see Iowa where there's Real Woods. They're going to see Pittsburgh where there's Cole Matthews. They're going to see Oklahoma State where there's Carter Young. Um, you know, you and I with Kale Happel, who, you know, is kind of also looking to take that step forward, um, you know, at that weight class. Like, that's it, he's going to be battle-tested by the time he gets to March, which, you know, a guy who embraces the process and the training and, you know, is looking for actively looking forward to things like that and matchups like that, um, I think that's going to set him up for March, which could be, I mean, it could make a pretty special true freshman season for him. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Absolutely. Um, okay, first topic that I was curious about. Um, and I really appreciate your perspective on these things as someone who is um, new in the wrestling media, wrestling content creation world. Um, maybe a big picture question, purposefully open-ended. What does the future of wrestling media look like? Mm, I like that question. You know, one new trend that I've seen in wrestling media is there's a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff, which I like, right? So I like listening to the Talking Heads, and I like listening to different podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to a couple other guys' podcasts as well. But what I really enjoy is seeing how these guys are off the mat and how these guys are in the room and this and that. Because that, up until the past few years, we really just haven't seen a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that we're seeing more and more kind of seeing these guys train and this and that. And as long as there's like these NIL deals coming in, these kids know that they have to be putting out more content, right? Because if I'm paying a kid to, you know, represent my brand or my company, you better be posting videos, you better be posting photos and stuff like that. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more insight to who these kids are. You know, a lot of times when we'll go off to these programs and, and interview these 
teams and kind of be around the team for a whole weekend and put out a video, we end up kind of meeting some of these kids. You're like, man, I didn't know. Like, you just see a name on a ranking sheet and you just, you know, don't really know much about the person attached to the name. And we're seeing a lot more personality. I, I also like Jordan Burroughs is putting out a podcast now. So he put out a podcast with Yanni, I believe, on his YouTube. I don't know how regular he's going to be with it, of course, with training and this and that. But I just think that we're going to see more of the athletes take control of their own media. Um, Jesse Vasquez does a YouTube channel, which is pretty entertaining. There's a kid in division, is Parkside? U- UW Parkside, is that UW, two, that's D3, right? Okay, so um, this kid, Caden Henshaw, has like 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, and he kind of talks about just his life going through wrestling. And so I think we're going to see more of that, and I think that kind of stuff is going to really open up the doors for kids that want to go out for the sport, right? So if they kind of see what it's like to, you know, my, you know, I don't know about you, but my favorite memories of wrestling were just being around the team, kind of kind of hanging out and um, watching guys go through the ups and downs and being able to kind of relate to these my teammates on this deep level. And I think that the more that these athletes kind of put out their own content, the more we're going to see more of that. And I think the, in the end, it's going to entice more young kids to want to wrestle. So long story short, I know that got a little bit winded, but I think we're going to see a more personalized content. Yeah, no, I like that because I, you know, wrestling tends to follow the lead of like football and basketball mm-hmm. and, you know, all the other major sports right. at the pro level, at the college level. Um, and we see, you know, guys do that all the time. Like I'm a huge Chiefs fan, right? Like, Tyreek Hill, he, he's got a YouTube channel just, Yeah, you know. you know, and like Pat Mahomes has his own content creation team. And we see things from like all those different players and all the superstars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I eat that up. Like I think it's really cool. And I'm really glad that you see that. You know, wrestlers are starting to do that. You know, we they take very seriously. A guy like RBY, right, like cares so much about his brand. Yeah. And yeah. we're seeing that trickle down a little bit. Like I was teasing Ryder Block. Um, you know, I interviewed him before who's number one. And, um, you know, I just asked him, like, he's got he's got a logo as his profile picture on virtually all his socials now. And I was just like, hey, man, like that's a that's a branding thing. Yeah. Like what's like what goes into that? And he, you know, he was just like, yeah, like I got to make sure that I take care of my image because if I'm going to go to college and, you know, do X, Y and Z and accomplish what I want to, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities. So, I, you know. Just to be conscious of that, right, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid so that when you become 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old college student, um, you know, to open up those opportunities more, right? Yeah, we uh, had Tony Ramos on the show last season. And he was great at this before other people, like, started doing it. And, and I told him as much as I, you know, booed that man and much as I hated that man when he wrestled. <laughs> um, shout out to Tony Ramos. But he... He was good at that, you know, and he talked about having this big shoe deal that he had, and it was only because his brand was as big as it was, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that, and he was he was talking about like, he, he in my eyes he he was kind of like the um, you know the first guy through the door, whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. He was way ahead of the curve, and he was talking about when he was he would go and try to talk to SID and tagging him. Like, he would, like, you know, kind of, like, pester the SID, like, hey, tag me on that. And, like, to have that foresight of, like, you know, him knowing, like, the Iowa Twitter account was going to get him a lot more followers. And so he was going up to say, hey, can you tag me? Like, him asking that is just is Tony being that far ahead of the game. And then, you know, without Tony Ramos, there might not be the Ryder Blocks, who this kid's coming into his freshman year, or sorry, he's got one more year. He's a senior, senior year. Senior. Yeah. yeah, so he's he's a senior in high school. Yeah. He's not even at Iowa yet, and he's going to be really good. He's having a great high school career. But to have that level of you know insight into what these kids need to do, we're just going to see that more and more, and um, I think it's great. Yeah, no, I love it too. And I guess the, the question um, to maybe tie a bow on this particular conversation is as more of these athletes dive into their own content creation mm-hmm. and begin to take, you know, I a cynic might say take control of their narratives or you know somebody like us who are fans like you know to be able to share their own story what does it mean for people like you and me who you know we're we're in this wrestling media space and we you know share stories and we cover the sport and we look at it through different lenses like what does you know this quote-unquote athlete empowerment when it comes to content sharing and story sharing what does that mean for us um, I think it depends on what you want to do, right? If you're a guy who just kind of likes to break news all the time, you might not be able to as much. I'm sure <laughs> that you probably, you know, you've been around long enough that 
You know, there used to be probably more of a protocol if you were going to commit somewhere. Or there was, um, you know, if the guy was going to get into a portal, there was probably more of a protocol. Now I feel like it's kind of more the wild, wild west where these kids can, they they want the likes and the retweets and the comments themselves. So they're going to be posting it on their own personal pages, which, you know, grows their own brand. And it's their moment. They can have those moments. So um, I think maybe it takes us and almost like, um, it makes us more like a secondary, right? So if you look at, Whoever, if something happens, right, let's say a kid wants to transfer to a different school, the person that makes that announcement is the person who, like, breaks that news, right? And then everybody else um, would kind of react to that news, right? Yeah. And so I think the media maybe would shift to more of, like, a reactionary place where it's, like, the news gets broken by the athlete themselves, and then we get to go and tell our audience or we get to react to it in front of our audience and kind of explain to people. But I think wrestling media in general is just kind of really taken off. Um, I know we talked about this off air a little bit, but it used to just be one company, right? And everybody else just kind of just took whatever they did and we just talked about it, right? And now we're seeing different podcasts pop up. I think because the, it's so easy. I can, we can, we're recording this on, on this little device right here, right? And <laughs> the audio is great. Technology is a lot better now. You don't need to get approval to put out a content piece. You can just post it. And so I think we're going to have more and more content. Listen, people come and go. There's all kinds of – we could probably name 10 podcasts that aren't here right now that don't, <laughs> that don't um, post you know, anymore, right? And so the good – the cream of the crop will rise, and we'll see you know, who, who those people are. I like to think that you know, we're in the mix. We've been around two years now, which is crazy. So I think, you know – the content is only going to get better. We're going to get more and more, which it leads to more fans at the end of the day. So Yeah. No, and, and another thing we were kind of touching on before we hit record here was, like, um, you know, there is that sense that, like, athletes are taking more control of it. And I see that, like, on a very real basis, right, tracking all these Iowa kids because there's, you know, there's there's been this renaissance of Iowa high school mm-hmm. wrestling. So all these kids are going D1. And as I'm talking to them and I'm, you know, forming those relationships with these kids, it's like, you know, hey, like, obviously we want to share your stories. Part of that includes your college commitment. Like, I tell these kids straight up, like, hey, if you give me a heads up, like, we will have a story ready. And I make a point to say this after you share it, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, I don't want to scoop a kid on right. their, recru- right. on their re- you know, commitment or recruitment unless they give me the green light, in which case I ask them, like, again, like, are you sure? Are you you sure? know, like, sure. it's yeah. your stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, that's one part of it. You know, the other part of it is, like, you know, do they trust me with their story? Would they rather share it themselves? Like some athletes do that and that's totally perfectly fine. But like, you know, like kind of you were touching on the, the ability to pivot. And like one thing I've tried to do in my stories is like, you know, okay, kid commits, for example, pushing it forward. What does it mean? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like McCray Haggerty, for example, recently committed to Iowa state. What does it mean? I I'm of the belief and I wrote this, that he's Iowa state's future 197 pounder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what does it mean for Iowa state's roster construction? How does he, you know, how the rest of Iowa State's recruiting class, like that sort of thing, you know, and that works right now. Like, will it continue to work in the future? I don't know, which is why, like, it's always so interesting to pick your brain about things like this because it's like, you know, we constantly have to be thinking about, like, what can we do now? Like, what can we do? Like, is this working? If it is, okay, what can we try this? You know, I think, like, I, I think the way you phrased it was just throwing everything against the wall and seeing yeah. what sticks, right? Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're probably the, um, the poster child for just throwing everything against the wall. We've done, uh, we've done, you know, all kinds of different shows. We've done all kinds of different videos, and some stuff will do it. I'm like that. I like that. I think that'll work. And then you post it, and no one cares. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens, or sometimes we just, you know, like the last week when we recorded our kind of our first show of the season, um, I was like, people probably aren't gonna like care as much about this because the topics weren't whatever. But I had a bunch of good feedback from that. So um, with our content, we try to always do things that isn't necessarily done from other people, not because we're trying to be like, you know, different than everybody else, but we want to provide something else. Right. And so I think there's a lot more people out there who are really good at breaking down the technical side of things. And we just know that that's not our lane. So what do we do? We, you know, we react to what goes on in the community. Um, and I think people have enjoyed that. And, you know, I don't really, I hope people don't, you know, I, I, what I wonder, how do I phrase this? I want people, I want more people to do what we're doing. I don't want to just, you know, I don't get jealous or anything like that. I want there to be, you know, I wish, I wish there were, I think a show that would be, would kill it is if you had college wrestlers do a weekly podcast or a weekly show. I think it would absolutely kill it. The problem is a lot of these guys don't realize how much work goes into it and how much consistency goes in. It's not just 
Joe Rogan style hit record and, and then just talk to your friend. I know it can appear that way, but there's a lot that goes into it. But if you had like four four teammates or maybe they're on different teams, if they had a weekly podcast every week and they really were open and honest and didn't just give you the regular BS and they actually said things in the most honest way possible, because the audience is going to know. They're going to know like, oh, these guys are just giving me the These runaround. are the stock answers. Yeah, yeah. And we all know wrestlers that are like that, but there's a lot of guys who, you know, with, with Twitter and stuff, they're not like that. And so if we could get a, a wrestling, like wrestlers podcast where they talk every week about what they're, you know, what's going on, I think that would just be, that would kill it. So I'm, I'm team more content and people are going to like what they're going to like. And it's, it's silly to me when people get like jealous over like this show's doing it. Like I get like envious or something, you know, I get like jealous in the sense like, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have uh, thought of that or whatever. But I hope that we get more and more content. I hope there's more and more people that that want to, you know, be a part of the wrestling media. And is, at the end of the day, I think the fans win. So, and, and I'm a fan. So, hundred percent. Yeah, I like that. Um, what's the second topic? Um, the second topic is I think that you're gonna like this one. It is. Uh, let's go with the Mizzou topic. Okay. Hey, okay. Um, Wearing my Mizzou jacket today. Yep. You're a Missouri guy. Blue Springs. Kansas City. Kansas City. Is there yeah. a difference? Blue Springs. Blue Springs is like the What's the best way to say it? Blue Springs would be like Waukee to Kansas City. Okay. So like yeah. Waukee to Des Moines, Blue Springs to Kansas City. Okay. So I think that there's an immense pressure on Coach Brian Smith this year to win a team trophy, not only this year but next year, because they got a young group of guys, right? And Missouri has always been one of those top ten teams. Top ten for sure, right? But there's always been this criticism. They don't wrestle anybody. They come in with, with clean records, and then they go, and, and they maybe don't perform at the level that they should at NCAAs and this and that. I don't believe a lot of that. If you look at some of our world champions in the recent years, you know, like the Rocky Elam, Keegan O'Toole. Jaden Cox is pretty dang good. Yeah, so right? you got a lot of guys that are the cream of the crop, right? And if you go through the lineup, I'm using Intermat rankings, so shout out to Intermat, but they have every single weight is ranked this year. They believe as a tournament team, they are ranked either fourth or fifth, I believe. Let's see real fast. Um, they are ranked fifth, right? And it's not much. So it's a point different from the fourth ranked Ohio State, right? And I think a lot of us would say that Ohio State is going to be a team that's not going to be easy to beat this year. So I think that there's a lot of pressure on Brian Smith to bring home a team trophy, and I know that he can do it because he's one of my favorite coaches in college wrestling. Um, he's I've, I've seen him work, and uh, you got guys like Brock Mahler coming back. Last year he took a redshirt year, I believe. Yeah, right. Yeah. So and that's a guy that's been on the podium before. He's been on the podium before. He's a top five guy. You got O'Toole, who is ranked number one at the toughest weight class that there is. Yeah, one sixty five. We could talk about that all day. Rocky Elam at one ninety seven. I think one ninety seven is a lot like one forty one, where you got a lot of really good There's talent, a lot of dudes, but anybody could win that weight. Yes. I think even Max Dean is a very beatable guy. Okay, and then at two eighty five, you got Zach Elam, Rocky's brother. Yeah, Zach, Zach Elam's really good. I think they're gonna want him on the podium. They're gonna want him to place third or a fourth or fifth. He's he's gonna need to bring up a lot of team points to get this team to win a team trophy. The, one of the biggest duels of the year this year is Missouri and Arizona State. I think that's going to be a huge duel to watch. Psyched for that, duel. and um, I think a lot of fans are. So I think Missouri winning team trophy. I know we're. I know this is the one register podcast. <laughs> you and I both can share a bond in our fandom for Missouri. So yeah. I think that Missouri winning a team trophy would be pretty sick. A lot of love for the Big Twelve on this show. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Like, I think I think the pieces are there. Um, you know, because like as a Mizzou fan, like there's always like they're always going to be good. Like they're always going to be a top ten team. They've just entered that part of mm-hmm. the Brian Smith era. Um, you know, and they've really. I mean, they've been there for I don't know, better part of a decade now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the thing with Mizzou is like the, like they're always going to be that team. And every couple of recruiting cycles, every few recruiting cycles, they they have the pieces necessary to make that jump into the top five, top four, right? And just the last few times that we've seen that cycle come back around, they just, for whatever reason, they just they kind of punch a little below their seeds at the NCAA championships, which, hey, national tournament's really hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the fan in me is like, dude, just break through, right? Um, I think this is, we're, we're at that point in the cycle, kind of like you said, there's a lot of young guys on this team. There's a lot of really talented guys on this team, right? O'Toole, Rocky, both junior world champs. Uh, Zach Elam was a junior world silver medalist mm-hmm. at, you know, heavyweight, still very, very deep. But, you know, I, for whatever reason, it seems a little bit more wide open because we don't think Gable's going to be wrestling this year. Um, 
you know, I think if, if Mizzou's going to do it, they, they're going to need some pretty serious points from the lower weights. Yeah. That is, that's kind of where they've struggled quite a bit um, over the last few years. You know, I know that they, I believe it was their 25-pounder that got to the blood round last year. Tw- somewhere between 25 and 41. I don't have the brackets right up in front of me, but... Um, you know, they've had guys in position. It's like, hey, you just you, you got to win that one match that puts you over the edge, that gets a few extra team points. Um, you know, for the longest time, they always had the depth, but maybe not the bonus point potential to really kind of break right. into it. Yeah. Now they're starting to recruit those guys that can score those bonus points, right? Like guy like Keegan O'Toole, he's a pinner. Um, Rocky can rack up takedowns um, as long as his gas tank's in check, right? Um, Zach Elam is just in that mix. You know, a guy like Noah Certain and Alan Hart, like those guys have developed really well. One of the things, and I know I've said this before, Brian Smith, very underappreciated as a developer of talent. Like, he takes, oh, yes. he brings in a lot of guys who probably shouldn't, you know, make it to day two at the NCAA championships. And a lot of those guys make it to day two at the NCAA championships, right? Like, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. Um, I really just want those guys to take that next step, right? Take the John Ernesty step, right? John Ernesty is a guy who I went to high school with him. He's from Park Hill. You know, he was a guy that when he signed with Mizzou, the signing day release spoke way more about his academic accolades than it did his wrestling talent. Mm. But he ended up winning three MAC titles. He got to the round of 16, the round of 12, and ended up finishing sixth at 133 in Pittsburgh. Like, amazing story of development that Brian Smith should just put on a freaking poster down at the Hearn Center and say, this is what we can do, right? Um, I'm with you. Even if you look at guys like, like Askren and, and look at guys like Jaden Cox, he, like, he, I think sometimes when you hear those storylines of like guys who, like Ernesty, who started off kind of, you know, not, like you said, talking more about his academics than they were his wrestling career and making him into an All-American. But then you also got guys like Jaden Cox, who was, like, one of the biggest recruits of all time, and showing, like, hey, you can Three-time champ, and yeah. We're going to – because that's not always the case. Like, sometimes guys are really, really good in high school, and they go to college, and they don't get the right fit, and, you know, their career goes the other way. And so I think if you look at what he's been able to do is showing, like, hey, you can either be a guy who's in experience um, with success or you can be a guy who's had a lot of experience with success – you come to Mizzou. It's also probably one of the most underrated coaching jobs, right? It's the only Division One in Missouri. Only D1 right. program in Mizzou. That's insane to me, yeah. especially with how close they are to the state of Iowa, which, you know, we're not bad at wrestling ourselves. So. <laughs> it surprises me, though, that there's not more Iowa kids go to Missouri. They, what it is. Well, so what? Willie Miklas went there. His brother Tim went there for a little while. My cousin Mikey went, <clears throat> which Mikey is another, you know, Ernesty type of guy where what Mikey when he was recruited to Iowa State he probably wouldn't like me saying this but he was kind of looked at as almost like a depth guy you know and then yeah. he went to Mizzou got the starting job got the right weight and he made it to the round of 12 yeah and so Mizzou has so many stories like that like I know he ended up winning an NCAA title but like Drake Howdeshell like I grew up with that guy beast I didn't you know, watching him in high school I was like yeah that guy's really good he goes to Fargo he does really well like obviously he's going to wrestle in college I don't know that I saw NCAA champ when I was watching him right. wrestle in high school, but like Lavalley too. I mean, Lavalley was who great. Was yeah, kind of a bubble guy to a you know finalist, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Lavalley got to the NCAA finals. Yeah, like just stories all over the place, right? I, 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 I'm with you. I think this is that that point in the cycle where if they're going to break through and win a trophy, this is probably the year to do it. They're just they need to, all these little tiny spots that they've slipped over the years. They just you got to go over. You got to get over the hump. I, I will say this though about Missouri, I. Love the Big 12, but it was awesome having you and I and Missouri in the MAC together. Like, <laughs> I went to a couple of MAC tournaments. I mean, that was the was MAC awesome. tournament yeah, for so many years. It was years. awesome. Now yeah. it's kind of, well, it's both those teams kind of came to a Big 12, and so the MAC's probably where it should be, but that was great. I love that. The MAC, the MAC era of you and I in Missouri was great. Yeah. No, I love that. Sorry, that was that was a tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I think they're, they're, you know, of all the sneaky dark horse trophy teams, I, Mizzou absolutely circle them, highlight them, and Tulsa's star them. not far from Columbia, not too far, right? Six, no, it's four, not far four, about four hours, something like that. Drivable, very yeah, drivable, very drivable. So the, there, there should be a pretty big Mizzou contingent, and they, they they do they they travel decently. So I yeah. think I think they'll be good. That's awesome. Um, I like that one. Hey. 
Hey guys, Cody here just reminding you that the best wrestlers in the world are coming to Iowa for the UWW World Cup at Extreme Arena in Coralville this December 10th and 11th. This one-of-a-kind dual-style competition features the world's very best men's and women's freestyle wrestlers repping their home countries and going head-to-head to decide who is the best wrestling country on the planet. You'll get to see Team USA's biggest wrestling stars like Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Tamara Mensah-Stock, Helen Naroulis, so many more. There's no better time than now to be a USA wrestling fan, and there's no better time than now to get your tickets. Be sure to go to worldcupcoralville.com. I put links in the show notes so that you guys can get all the information you need. You're not going to want to miss this. One more time, get your tickets at worldcupcoralville.com. Okay, second um, topic from my list. Um, kind of, I don't know, maybe a good jumping off point from how we just tied that one up. Um, NCAA championship locations. Mm-hmm. I know over the next few years we're going to Tulsa, we're going to Kansas City, we're going to Philly. Mm-hmm. We routinely go to, you know, Pennsylvania. We stay in the Rust Belt. We go to St. Louis all the time. Um, and I think, like, the way I was thinking about this was just, like, you know, like, one, obviously, like, where should we take the NCAA championships slash where will we realistically see the NCAA championships in the future? Because I can't, like, I know I've said this before. I can't get 2020 out of my head because of what could have been. Not just the matchups and the actual rustling, but like the fact that we were going to put the big dance in an NFL stadium and all indications suggested that there was going to be every bit of like 40 to 50,000 people at every single session, which makes you think, okay, if it would have worked that way, they probably would have gone back to it. But like we didn't get that chance. Right. COVID happened. It's probably going to be a hot minute before we get back to that point where we're going to want to try it. Like I say we as in like the wrestling community at large and primarily the wrestling folks at the NCAA. Um, where does it go from here? Where should it go from here in terms of location, in terms of arena slash stadium size? Like I'm kind of curious your thoughts here. I'll tell you exactly where we need to go. Location-wise and arena-wise, right? So if you look at wrestling – we're almost we're too big for the Wells Fargo's and the let's say the hockey arenas. Yeah, the hockey arenas. We're kind of too big for that. But then we're also a little too probably small for NFL stadiums, right? I think taking that jump to Minneapolis would have been it would have been fine, but it would it would have definitely been a little bit different of a field. It would have been a little bit less intimate. And I know that because when we went to the Rangers, the bout at the ballpark. Now there's all kinds of things that, That's, uh... that, happened with that. And I think that we can all agree that that didn't probably go off as smooth as we wanted it to. Yeah, but there was other things involved with that, right? Ferrari was uh, going through whatever he went through with the accident last year. Spencer Lee announced that he wasn't going to be wrestling anymore. And so there was kind of all these like things that happened. And, and then I ran pulling out. So there's all these things that kind of happened that made that the disaster that I call the you know disaster. <laughs> but I do think that baseball stadiums, if done right, and if it's the right stadium, what comes to mind for me is, and this is a city that I think we should go to too. I think this would be a match made in heaven. If they if we took the NCAA championships to Phoenix, had Arizona State hosting mm. at the Diamondback Stadium, and I've been to a wrestling meet. They hosted duels there not they too long. They did, ago. and they did it right. You know why they did it right? Because they put it near home plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a duel meet, right? They didn't put it near what's that position? Uh, second base. And, uh, <laughs> Rover. Remember yeah. Rover back when we were young? That was in between center field and second base. Um. If you weren't that skilled, you were playing Rover. <laughs> they had it all the way out in the Rover Rover position. And as far as I'm concerned, I know that there was, like, parents of wrestlers that were complaining about that deal. But if you bring in the field a little bit, right, and and put it, you know, there's eight mats. If they put in a bunch of seating kind of on the field as well. Now, I know you don't want to damage that, you know, the field, the turf, and everything, and this and that. But there's ways to get around that. Smarter people than me can figure that out. But I feel like baseball stadiums that were built in a concert-type environment, and if you bring even the Ranger Stadium, I don't like Texas as far as like wrestling goes because it's not wrestling country. But but if you get into Arizona State with a good Arizona State team and was what Zeke Jones and those guys are doing, they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. They recruit really well. You also got California close by. So if we want to take wrestling, we want to grow it to these areas that – there really isn't a hotbed for wrestling quite yet. You got to go and bring it there, right? Penn State fans are going to travel. They're, they are. Plus, 
Iowa fans are going to travel. There's direct flights easy to Scottsdale, Arizona. I think we all have a grandparent, or we know somebody who's a, who's a snowbird down in that area, right? You go down to Scottsdale and, and Phoenix and all that, there's Hawkeye bars, there's there's Hawkeye shirts and everywhere. So there's already this strong connection, easy southwest, not southwest. Um, is it southwest? Yeah, it's southwest. Ask Corby, he'll, he'll know the flights. <laughs> but there's easy travel there. It's beautiful. They always send us to the just, you know... They keep us in the Midwest. They which, keep us in the Midwest. And I get it because it's central locations. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like, just, I wouldn't mind. You know, like, I, I was cracking jokes when, you know, USC and UCLA announced that they're entry into the Big Ten, right? Yeah. You know, oh, they're going to add wrestling programs. Like, one, I hope I, I hope they do, like, for the sport itself, for the state of California. But also, like, the idea of, like, the Big Ten or the NCAA holding their championship event out in Southern California or just in that general vicinity, like, that could do wonders for the sport just putting the best product in front of people who may not normally see it all the time. And you just have so many more people, too, to market towards, right? I don't think that you're going to get a bunch of these fans who just, like, you're not going to see, you're probably not going to get a lot of fans that are just going to drive by a billboard and just say, hey, I'm going to buy a ticket and go to this random wrestling event, right? you you got to have somewhat of a fan base there. I, I think Phoenix, they could pull it off. I would love to see him go to that baseball stadium. I think that that could work. And I think that they even said that they were happy with how the Iowa State, Arizona State, Campbell, and Harvard quad went couple years ago um they said that they didn't really put hardly that much marketing behind it and they thought it did pretty well at least that was what i remembered from it and uh i think that if you brought in eight mats i think that would be a really good place to have it i think vegas could be interesting as well there's venues everywhere in vegas right right um of course you would need an arena or something like that but they got the t-mobile they've got football stadiums they've, they've got, got i was gonna say yeah they uh, got the death star out there that the raiders play in. they've got all kinds of stadiums or right? the big roomba and vegas is another one that's kind of like arizona where i think travel would be pretty reasonable for people yeah um and then the third one so i think phoenix i think vegas and i think the third one you mentioned it so i'm still in your your choice here <laughs> you know what i'm saying nashville i like I that. think nashville is another one that they're used to having visitors all the time, right? So a lot of those cities where they have a lot of visitors coming through all the time, they kind of know how to handle large crowds. Because a lot of times when we go to a Detroit, when we go to a Cleveland, these restaurants aren't used to this big pickup in business in March, right? Especially on a weekday. And they just don't know how to handle a lot of these crowds. And it can be a mess. And we've seen that time and time again. New York was fine, right? Because they're used to a lot of people coming through. I think Nashville would be great logistically. I think that they have arenas there that we can do, and I think it's kind of... Bridgestone's right there. Like, as soon as you walk out of Bridgestone, you are on Broadway. It's, like, you're right there. It's drivable for, for if you look at Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State, it's all drivable for those guys. And yeah. then all those ACC schools, it's, it's kind of like a little hub for us. Pretty surprised we haven't been there. Yeah, I like that. I think my one worry about a place like Vegas is the same, like, I feel like I'm still snakebitten from New York. Because um, New York is such a big city right. that, like, when the NCAA championships were there, because they were, at the, I mean, they were at Madison Square Garden. It's awesome. It sounds really cool, right? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. I'll tell you why they didn't care. They didn't care because as soon as you left, what? okay, I've been to every single NCAA since 2013 when they had it up the street here at, at Wells. And what I love about NCAAs and why I go every single year and the why city I hope we just, never miss it, the city becomes wrestling. That is what the city is doing so that week. if you go down to restaurant A down the street, oh, look, there's Ohio State fans next to Oklahoma State fans. And, oh, wait, there's these random South Dakota State fans that I would have never crossed paths with yeah. or uh, Chattanooga fans, right? I love that. You're right. As soon as you left New York, it was just another day. Yeah. Right? And New York, there's so many things going on there. And right. I feel like with Vegas, like I know we take a lot of high-level freestyle events there. I feel like Vegas would treat it similarly. Yeah, probably. I think another thing I think people might cringe when I say Vegas is if you look at the flights from the – wrestling is Midwest and East Coast. Yeah. And then you got, you know, the outliers, Oregon State, Cal Poly, Arizona State, right? They're Stanford. Stanford. Um, they would like Vegas, but those fans aren't probably the ones that are going to be paying the bills, right? you got to have the Iowas, the – Penn State's and this and that. But I do, like I said, I think that the travel is pretty cheap. You can fly to Vegas for like 20 bucks, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And you could find a room for just as cheap. So, Absolutely. Um, I think that Vegas could work, but we've been to Vegas multiple times. With freestyle, though, I it, think folk style is a little bit different. I think there's, obviously, I think there's quite a bit more fans of folk style. Um, 
So I think I think I would love to see Phoenix. I would love to see Vegas, and I would love to see Nashville. Now, with all those said, one thing that I really do like about what we do when we go to these random little Midwest cities is they give me a reason to say that I've been there. Right? <laughs> let's be honest. I probably would have never said I've been to Detroit, or let's say I'm probably not going to choose to ever like go to Detroit on my own free will. Not knocking it, Detroit ended up being one of my favorite cities. And, like, the downtown scene was amazing. I thought Detroit knocked it out of the ballpark, no pun intended. But I think that we could, you know, branch out and give us some good weather. Would it hurt to give us (laughs) Oklahoma City that one year? was amazing. It was was like 50 out. But at least give us some sun. Well, I mean, that's another, you know, check mark for Nashville, right? Yeah. A couple tangential thoughts from this. Um, I like the idea if we want to explode to put it maybe in a ballpark first. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind is Milwaukee. Similar ballpark setup. It's, it's a dome, so you can close the roof. Mm, um, I love that city, too. Yeah. The Deer Park, amazing. You need those little, like, bar scenes. Like, when, when we go to Power & Light, I'm, or see, when we go to Kansas City, we got Power & Light <laughs> yeah. right there. I'm looking forward to drinking that freaking Power & Light as much as I'm seeing the wrestling. But you need those, because you don't have a ton of time to, like, go back to your hotel and nap and then eat it's usually like you're either napping or you're eating yeah so. you're just you're, you're just on the go yeah and, and I, I felt like when they came to des moines again i was a senior in high school that was my senior gift my uncle bought me tickets to um the NCAA. i felt like in, in hindsight right at the time I, I was too young to drink but in hindsight it would be it's a little bit of a walk from wells to court not bad but you kind of need those little you know restaurant venue districts and i think kansas city would be great i think Nashville. I don't know where the arenas are in this and that, but so yeah, Bridgestone. Like you, as soon as you walk out of Bridgestone, which is where the Predators play, um, you walk right onto Broadway. Okay, which is like perfect. That, Nash, yeah, Nashville's like absolutely the perfect like. Where should we take it that we mm-hmm. haven't been? Chattanooga um, can host. It'd be great. Bingo. Um, the other tangential thought I had, um, and this is kind of a play on the wrestling has kind of outgrown the hockey arenas, but maybe isn't quite big enough for a football stadium yet. Um, and I have reservations about this, but. The United Center in Chicago. It seats. It's it's a slightly bigger hockey basketball arena. I want to say it seats somewhere between twenty four and twenty six thousand. So you get an extra five thousand people in the building. The problem is, I think of Chicago in the same way I think of New York and Vegas. Like, is it going to be the thing in Chicago that weekend? Probably not. But it would give us a little bit bigger of arena where the arena is located. Like wrestling fans could take over that part of Chicago. Um, I don't know. Like that was that's one that I've always had in my mind because it's it's bigger than the other hockey arenas we normally go to, and if we continue to sell out arenas of that size, and I don't know how many of that size there are around the country, that could potentially propel us back into the okay. Do we want to try a football stadium again? Like that's one thought. I, I love that. I think that the United Center reminds me a lot of the Q in Cleveland. I think the Q in Cleveland, and somebody can go through these and, and fact check me on these things. But I believe that the Q held a lot more people than a normal basketball arena. It, it was way closer to twenty than some of these others. Okay, and so I think that we had no problem selling out something like that. So yeah. if the United Center is what you said, thirty something, it's it's somewhere between twenty four and twenty six. It's bigger than what we normally. Go I think to. that would be perfect. I yeah. think that. Illinois is a wrestling state, right? And Northwestern's right up the road. They routinely very good. I think that if you paired a, a very good Iowa team, which Iowa's been good forever. I mean, shoot, a, one-fifth of the student population is from the Chicago Burbs, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I was in Iowa City uh, having a couple dull beverages at, a, at an establishment, and there was these kids going crazy. I'm like, there's no sports on right now. What are you talking about? It was like a Blackhawks game. Yeah. They were all, you know, Chicago kids. So I think that Chicago would be great. So if you're asking me, I think Nashville, I think Phoenix, I think Vegas, I think Chicago, all four of them would be home runs. Um, but like you said, it's got a little bit of that city atmosphere. I'm not like a, I'm a Cubs fan, but other than that, I'm not like a huge Chicago guy in the terms of like I don't, I'm not really familiar with how the city operates. But Chicago to me doesn't feel as busy on like a Thursday or a Friday as much as like New York did. New York, it doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Friday, Monday, it doesn't matter. The city it's does just, not sleep. It's just nonstop people all the time. Where I don't know is Chicago like that on on like a Thursday for us? Like would it be now Saturday? We'd probably be dealing with some outsiders and this and that. But yeah, is a Thursday night going to be that hectic? Do you think it's? I've so I've only I've been to Chicago a lot more than I've been to like New York. Uh, my brother lives out in New York now, so we'll probably make a concerted effort to go see him every now and again. Um, been to L.A. There's L.A. similar to New York, where there's just something that's always going on. Chicago, 
I feel like it's more of a possibility for wrestling to take over Chicago. I feel like Chicago's more event-based. Yes. So if you have, like, a Lollapalooza, there's going to be a lot Yeah, like, on. people people are there for Lala. Now, right. Lala's not quite the same as, like, the NCAA Wrestling Championships, right. but I think it could be. Well, I mean, in terms of, like, just... What I meant is, like, it's event-focused. Like, yes, yes. It'll bring people out, but Chicago you're going to see... They'll give it a fair shake. Like, they will make sure that people around the city know that the NCAA Wrestling Championships are going on. Yeah, and I think it, too, it kind of, you know... W- w- has it been to Chicago in a long time? I mean, surely not, at some point it has, right? I'd have to go look, not to my knowledge. They must charge a ton of money to do it there, because it makes no sense why they haven't been there. Well, but, they used to do it on a lot of college campuses, so it right. may have been to... I don't, I don't... I honestly don't know if it's been to Illinois or Northwestern, but yeah. th- those would be the two options. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I like Chicago. I think that would be great. The know. food there would be great. I don't oh, know. absolutely. The food would be great. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, what, five hours from here, so be great. Absolutely. Um, okay, that's four topics down, two from each. What's your last one? I think the last one that I'm going to go with, I know I threw a couple of them at you, but I'm going to go with the heavyweight one, right? So I'm under the impression right now that Gable Season's not going to wrestle this year. And I know you, well, yeah, dummy, did you see him put the <laughs> shoes on the mat? Gable has not totally, like, he, he has not shut come... the door slowly. Yeah, but I think he's still standing on the other side of the door with his hand on the knob, right? Like, hey, I might pop back in because he's made. If you put it, if you pay attention to his social media posts, he's made not one but at least two, maybe three posts alluding to the fact that he's coming back. Uh, he's the, teasing us. The Minnesota social media team—they put out that thing with that was brilliant. Back. To me, that was them saying he's not coming back. But there's this like element of like. Can you just tell us what's going on? <laughs> uh, ESPN, though, they just posted this article with Mike Coppinger, who's like a very renowned combat sports journalist, um, very respected. One of those guys, you read what he's, you read what he posts, and you know it's you take it for fact, right? He says that Gable is now training full time in Florida. He, apparently, there was this heart ablation thing, which is crazy to me. I wonder, uh, you know, did it affect his Olympics? And he still won with the heart ablation. I've never <laughs> even heard of that before. Makes it more impressive. Makes it even more impressive. So. Personally, this might be an odd opinion. I don't want Gable to come back. I don't think they're for. Okay, that's interesting. I was curious where you were going with this. I mean, t- sport to me is all about like the challenging, like to the, the challenge and testing yourself. And there's got to be some risk involved with sport. To me, if there's not risk involved. I'm out, right? And so <laughs> if Gable comes back, there's really no risk of him losing, I and, don't think. Well, and the other fun part about college sports specifically is that it's a cycle. There's always somebody new seemingly every year yeah. that is going to challenge for the throne, right? We uh, see at it. least something, right? Yeah. And, we, and like we at one point we said that Ed Ruth was untouchable until Gabe Dean came along, right? And then at the end, Ed Ruth beat him. So yeah. Gable's we thought lost. the same thing about Logan Steber, right? And yeah. Zane got him. Zane once. got him. So there is that. I don't think Gable is in that conversation of, I don't think there's a heavyweight out there that could do anything to him. No. No um, chance. I remember, was it Kirk Fleet took him down last year? But a takedown and beating somebody are two different things. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that if Gable came back, it's a huge waste of time for everybody. <laughs> and I, if Gable's going to come back, I want to see him um, in freestyle. I don't want to see him in the college. And I think if Gable doesn't come back, you have only four of the top ten guys that are ranked on the Intermat rankings that are seniors, right? So it's kind of one of those weights that's kind of up for grabs. Colton Schultz is a beast. I think he's my pick to win. Kirk Fleet is a beast. He's my pick to win, but he can't beat Cassiope. So who knows what's going to happen. But I think if Gable doesn't come back, it, it there is, there's 10, you know, there, I don't know how many guys could win it. But there, there's a lot of guys that can win it. And I think four of those 10 guys are seniors, like I said. So they're going to be gone. So you're going to see a lot of young guys coming in. Who's going to be the king of the heavyweights? So Nick Feldman. Could be. You never right. know, right? So um, these kids, when they come into college now, they're better and better. Like, they don't really need the red shirt anymore. A lot of times, the red shirt can be a negative. It could get too big. It could get injured, this and that. You never know what's going to happen. So who knows? I like that. And I think, like, a couple trains of thought here. Like, if Gable does come back, it is going to be a dogfight to be on the other side of the bracket, right? Because that is, you want to be on the opposite side of Gable because that obviously gives you a shot to make the finals, right? We saw that a little bit last year. It was one of the subplots that I was paying attention to with Iowa last year with regards to Cassiope. Can he position himself on the other side of the bracket? And honestly, he did it perfectly, and then he lost in the quarterfinals, right, to Jordan Wood. Um, because, like, my thought was, like, okay, he's not only opposite of Gable, but he was opposite of Mason Paris as well, I'm pretty sure. Paris might have been on the bottom half of the semi, um, but like, 
you know, like the path was there. Like Tony did everything he needed to do, and then he just he lost in the quarters. It is what it is. When Gable's not there, it's like it's such a different type of dogfight because it doesn't matter where you are in the bracket. It's wide open. Yeah, and it's one of those wigs, too, I think, that you can see a guy outside of the top ten make the finals. Like, you never know. I think that when when a weight class is so evenly distributed, like 41, 97, heavyweight if Gable doesn't come back, you got way more of a chance to see a Zeke Moise in the finals or a Kyle Connell or, like, these guys that are kind of the, the um, you know, they become, like, the story, uh, the UNC kid from last year. Like, when you kind of have those, you could see a 14C get in there, and that's what the NCAA tournament's all about. There's one every single year. I think heavyweight probably has the most chance of that happening. And uh, who knows who could win? That guy who's the 14th seed might actually win. They might not just be a finalist. They might actually come along and win. I'm picking Colton Schultz, but <laughs> well, and the other cool thing about like heavyweight specifically is like we kind of saw this transformation of like the way heavyweights wrestle. They're and... kickers. <laughs> no. I didn't well, have a problem with that quote. By the way. I didn't have a problem with it. Maybe kickers wasn't the proper wording, but People like said linemen should have been better. But like I he... totally understood what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. If you also take offense to that, you're also offending kickers. Like, there's still skill involved with kicking. It's just a different yeah. set of skills. And so, I don't think what Yanni said was anything wrong. I think, I think what he was saying was like, you know, it's just a different skill set. Yeah, it doesn't like, mean they're lesser of an athlete. Which I think people made the point more of that. They made the point more. He's saying that they're lesser athletes, but he's saying it's a different skill set. Yeah, they one just guy they, throws the ball. One guy kicks the ball. Yeah, so he's saying the other it's guy a tackles ball carries. Like it's just right. so. It's yeah. It's so like. Football is so specialized right. in their positions. And, like, wrestling is largely the same. But, like, ask any Division One wrestler who has wrestled multiple weights. You almost have to reteach yourself sometimes how to wrestle when you change weights because it's so different from one weight to the next. It may not seem different. Like, 49 to 57 is only 8 pounds. There's a difference. 57 to 65, again, 8 pounds. 97 to heavyweight is huge. Right. And that's, and that's, probably, that's probably the biggest gap between, yes. like... Well, and not only that, but, like, you've got... You know, the smaller-ish heavyweights that are quicker, that are just maybe a little bit more, like, built muscle-wise, right? You know, like, I'm thinking, like, there's a Tony Cassiope and there's a Colton Schultz. They're both heavyweights, but they're different types of heavyweights. L- look at Yonger Bastida, right? Like, yes! The way that Yonger wrestles, he's moving his feet a lot. He's doing, you know, it's, it's a lot more fast pace. He's, he's going to take you down. He's going to do this. Yeah, he's going to find his angles can, and go. He, that's why Gable's season is so different, because Gable was kind of wrestling like a 97-pounder. He was wrestling, you know, he's kind of shorter, more stockier heavyweight yeah. than, like, let's say... A, Adam Kuhn. So it, to, to say that the skills, it's not lesser skills. It's I different. Think it's, it's just different. different. And I think people were taking the Yanni quote and, and making it seem like he was saying that it was a lesser skill. It's not a lesser skill. It's just a different set of skills. Yeah, absolutely. Tangent. Um, but. Yeah, because, well, cause you, you know, like think of 125, which is the natural comparison when you're trying to compare weights, right? Um, you don't see a lot of 25-pounders just automatically go in upper body. Like, that is not the foremost part of their technique. It They're might not be, just holding center, you know what I mean? Yeah, they, they, it might they, be for some of them. Right, you know, like, right. a, like I'm thinking like a Taylor Lamont. There's example. always outliers. Yeah. yeah. Taylor Lamont, great example. Yeah, you know, or like a Rayvon Foley, who's, that's a guy with Greco background. Like, yeah. But that's not like, you know, at first, like, they might, they might use various types of that technique, um, you know, and we could veer off and have a totally different yeah, podcast about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like, like I told, like I get it. And like, that's what makes heavyweight so fun. Um, I agree with you. Like if Gable's not there, it's, it's a different type of dogfight than if Gable would be there. Because at that point it's a dogfight to be either the two or the three or, and if, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're in danger of being the four seed, you know, what matches can you drop so you can be the six or the seven, right? Yeah. Like it's so, it's just totally different. Now, let me see this. I want to go back to me saying that I'm not a fan of Gable Stevens. Gable Stevenson coming back. If Gable Stevenson coming back for a degree or something like that, if he wants to do that, I don't think that the guy's <laughs> going to need a college degree. Don't be in my comments saying that, you know, I'm cheering against this guy, this young, you know, adult male getting a college degree. But I, from the fan side of things, I would love to see somebody else come along and, you know, take over the throne. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's going to be Colin Schultz, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Who is wrestling at U23s this week, by the way. Yeah. Um, he got pulled into the repechage. As of now, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. I believe he'll be wrestling again on Tuesday morning, so um, this will go out on Tuesday. So maybe he'll be wrestling for a medal by the time people listen to this. I don't know. Um, last topic for you, because um, we're approaching an hour. We always do this because you and I have really fun conversations. Um, last topic I had for you. What is the biggest wrestling storyline this year in the state of Iowa? Could be any level, high school, college, senior level stuff, women's wrestling, whatever the case may be. What is the, in your opinion, the biggest storyline for the sport of wrestling for the 22-23 season? In my opinion, the biggest storyline 
is a sequel to last year. Okay, last year, my favorite duel meet of the year was the Cyhawk duel. And it wasn't necessarily because of, you know, the, you know, the, the wrestling was great. Don't get me wrong. The wrestling was great. But it was the drama. It was the story that's come along. <laughs> I'm actually, you know, there's a little bit of a breaking news for you. I'm going to be working on something I've never worked on before. I think you've told me about this off off the... I think I have. When we haven't been recording. I'm going to... So we won't dive into this because I yeah, want people yeah. to see it. I'm yeah. excited for that. Yeah. But. So I'm going to work on this project and it's basically going to tell the storyline and the... the um, I don't want to say beef because I don't, you know, who knows if these guys beef in real life. But what Kevin Driscoll's built, what Tom Brands is doing, these guys are two titans in the wrestling community. It's in the state of Iowa, which we all know is wrestling heaven, right? And so you're going to have both these guys going toe to toe off of a pretty close duel from last year that ended in a pretty feisty way. I would say <laughs> that they went as far as they didn't fight each other, but they got about as close as you could get without it getting real ugly. But I got to interview Tom and talk about it. I love to do that. I got to talk to Dresser about it. Both these guys probably have this date circled. I have this date circled. Casey Sudersky just did an interview where he was talking about he wants to go and wrestle Real Woods right away. That was a match that he specifically brought up without it being coached to bring up. So I do know that both sides are going to be looking forward to December 4th in Iowa City when Iowa and Iowa State wrestle each other. We're going to be doing a premium social. We're going to get the fans all riled up. Hopefully you come by. I know you're always busy. You're always busy doing real journalistic stuff. So um, Iowa versus Iowa State, December 4th. Double check that, but December 4th. December Iowa 4th City, is right, yeah. No, it's going to be a thing of beauty. Please tell me that they're going to do it at night, though. <laughs> I don't know that they've actually released a time they for haven't. it yet. Most, most Sunday duels are... Um, in the afternoon, like it's it's somewhere like in the two to but three. I remember range. that year that Iowa State lost by one point. Gomez put DeSanto on his back. It was close. It was like nineteen to eighteen. I think that was a two o'clock duel, which kind of makes me worry that they're going to do because that. that was I believe that was the same weekend as um, CKLV. Because I remember um, talking to some of the flow guys mm. at the time. That's um, right. They were sitting there. They watching. were in Vegas watching it. I remember while hearing the CK- that. Like it was during a break, like before the CKLV finals. I remember. I remember. I don't know if it was from the flow guys, but I remember somebody telling me that that they were able to. They were. Everybody was kind of at the CKLV watching how close this duel was. That's even more of a reason that um, people should be excited about this duel because people care about the Cyhawk duel. I hope yeah. when when whatever happens with the conference realignments that this continues to happen at least in wrestling. Who knows what's going to happen in football? But I would love for this duel to happen this year and be close as last year and be just as heated and it will be okay the fans they it's a it's a love-hate relationship right but i can't wait for that duel well and the other fun part i think about that duel just like looking ahead to it is like we already talked about like the new faces that are gonna be in iowa state's lineup there's gonna be a lot of new faces in the iowa lineup this year right like you've got we don't know if spencer's gonna wrestle i think you and i are of the belief that he's gonna be on some sort of a pitch count this year um, but so, but but not to cut you off. But if he if he if he is on a pitch count, I remember another time that the guy was on a pitch count. And he came out and wrestled because the duel was close. Sam right? Stoll, yeah, Sam Stoll came out. Had, I think that was that nineteen eighteen duel. He was not going to wrestle. So I think Iowa State could put Iowa in a position where now that comes down to like we could do a whole breakdown on this too. Are, are they going <laughs> to draw? Are they going to start at twenty five? I know it usually starts at twenty five for that duel, but that's the thing, man. It's an option, yeah, right. So then you look at you know. I mean, that was 25, but, like, you know, there's going to be a new face at 133 because DeSanto's gone now, right? Um, there's going to obviously a new face at 41, Rial Woods. 49's Murin, 57 new face, 65, Patrick Kennedy. Um, Great match. Kennedy. Kennedy Carr, Carr. Right out of the gate. Crazy. Right? Like, it's going to be, you know, how does – there's two parts that are intriguing about that match. One, how does David Carr really look against another top guy? I know he's going to wrestle Dean Hamidi the first weekend, but, like, another top guy at 65, how does he look? And then for PK – that's a dude that won a national title. How do you look, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of intrigue there. Um, and a lot of intrigue in that duel. And I'm really glad that you, like, brought that one up because it's so, like, obviously the Cyclones are chasing what Iowa has been doing. They obviously want to win that duel, but they also want to have the same success that the Hawkeyes are having, right? They're, it's a team that routinely wins team trophies at the NCAA championships. They were the team champs not too long ago. Iowa State wants to get there. And so what makes this duel even more fun than just the rivalry part of it is, like, it gives Iowa State literally an early season chance to be like, all right, let's stack them up. How do we look? How good are we? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's we, a great litmus test. And, I, and we talked a little bit before this, but every match is winnable. Every match is losable if you're the Cyclones. I think maybe one or two. Spencer goes, obviously, you're going to put that in the Iowa column. Um, I think heavyweight, too, you probably put that one in the Iowa column. But the rest of them, yeah. you never know. You know, like Jacob Warner was an NCAA finalist last year, but he lost to Younger in December. Great match. Right? You know, Great 84, match. like, a lot of people really believe in Abasad, and he has shown flashes that he can be on Marcus Coleman's level, but, like, 
Marcus can win that match, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you know that those are two guys. Seventy four. We we don't know. You know, I know Nelson Brands dealing with some some uh, injury or whatever. He put on an Instagram post. I think it's fair to say that. I think yeah. it's Okay, to say that. And uh, you know, the so who goes Brandon for Swafford, Iowa State, right? Brandon Swafford, who was a kid that was a what two three time national champion for Graceland. Yeah, decides to go to Iowa. Most people said, "Oh yeah, congrats," but people I think probably didn't give him that much care. He could be starting in one of the biggest duels of the year. In a so. very pivotal way, too. And right? he's beating some really good guys. And yeah. so that's huge for the for the NAIA community. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I like that you brought that up. That's going to be a really intriguing duel. Um, and just, it's always a fun rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I, I know we say that because we're here in the state of Iowa, but, like, it's just, it's so much fun. Like, as long as everybody keeps it clean, like, I'm hashtag team trash talk. Like, just have fun, mm-hmm. keep it clean, don't get too personal. And, like, just, you know, all I ever ask, whether it's Cyhawk or you know, even Iowa State, you and I, just, like, put on a show, man. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And, and, I, and I know we're running along here, but the Penn State duel last year, right, how crazy that was. And I think that there was a sentiment afterwards that Iowa fans took it too far. But then you go and you listen to the interviews from uh, Starachi, or I think it was Starachi that Starachi and Kirk Flea, they, Flo's doing their interview they, rounds before they were the like, All-Star hey, Classic. We, we love that. Yeah, we love that. It might have got a little crazy. There was definitely times where they said, you know, things were being said. All fan bases can can get. Now, I'm an Iowa State fan. I've heard crazy stuff from from every fan base. And so, you know, I don't think that's specific to Iowa, but Iowa's the one that shows up with the most fans usually. So you're going to get some of that, and I think that the athletes appreciate it. Whether I think I think silence in a, a, a Carver Hawkeye Arena, if you're an Iowa State fan, would be, you know, that, that's That's got to be a be, dream for those that's guys, That's got to right? be a dream, right? <laughs> Ivan Gass has talked about doing it. He loves, you know, how silent it can get there, and, and it does. So, um, and vice versa, if you're a Hawkeye and you go out there and you pin. Dude, you want that roof off. Dude, if you're a Hawkeye and you go out there and you're supposed to get teched and you give up a major, you get almost the same applause as if you won. Yeah. Because the, the crowd is just educated. So. Yeah. They know exactly I what love, they're doing. I'm an Iowa State fan, but I love Carver. <laughs> there you go. You got that. That sounds like a perfect place to end this show. It was great going back and forth with you, man. Um, you got anything else for us? You, uh, what are you working on? What are things like? Get, plug yourself right here. Uh, just keep tuning in to our YouTube uh, stalemates. You can just look us up. Just YouTube free, free content. So check us out. Um, we're also on Spotify. You listen to the audio stuff. So um, Spotify, Apple, you know the deal. So Two weekly shows this upcoming season? Yeah, two, two weekly shows. And then, you know, random bigger projects, the one I alluded to. I think you guys will like it. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to put it out. That's awesome. Zach, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Big thanks to Zach for taking the time to chat with me. Always fun talking wrestling with that guy. Just bigger picture items. Always appreciate his perspective on things. He just he thinks about you know the way he goes about content coverage and, and just thinks about the sport a little bit differently than than some of us do. And and I always appreciate kind of you know just getting to pick his brain about a number of different things. Obviously, he and I are huge wrestling fans, and so that's always fun to geek out um, you know over the exciting developments that are on the mat. Um, but really, really love getting to talk to him. Um, I'm sure we'll hear from Zach plenty throughout the season. If you guys haven't already, be sure to go support Stalemates on his YouTube page and Patreon page. He's doing some really fun stuff, and I'm excited to see what he brings this season. But that's all I've got today, guys. Thanks a bunch for listening. I know we went a little long. Um, Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram, Cody J. Goodwin, and of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis and videos guys you can do um, all of that by clicking on the links in the show notes thank you again so much for listening we will talk again soon